Specialty Story, session number 151. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every episode where I get to have an amazing conversation with a physician about their specialty. And this week is no different. I get to talk to Dr. Christina Dacus about her specialty, being a community family medicine physician who specializes in obstetrics. Now, a lot of you may know that family medicine docs can do OB care, but it's not super common. But with Dr. Dacus, she really, really, really dives into the OB world with her specialty and where she chose to practice. We have an amazing conversation all around how she got into that and much more. Now, it's very interesting as well because she's in her first year of practice. So she's newly minted out in the community as a physician practicing outside of residency and training. So she has a lot of great insight through the process and through everything else. So we start the conversation and find out how Dr. Dacus became interested in family medicine and OB all together. I've actually known that I wanted to be a primary care physician since I was 16 years old. Um, when I was in high school, my parents started developing health problems and it became um, very obvious to me that we really don't have enough primary care physicians in this country that just are, that, that are, that you can trust that are willing to be advocates for your patients. My, um, my dad isn't, was an immigrant from Greece and he, um, English was his second language and he struggled sometimes just with a language barrier with physicians. And then. Um, other people in my family lost health insurance for a while, and I felt that it was just really hard for them to to talk to a doctor about like the financial aspect and other parts of care, and not just their list of medical problems. And so, for me, I realized pretty early on, you know, I want to be I, I want to be that point person in medicine for patients that are struggling to navigate the healthcare system. So that was at sixteen, and I honestly haven't looked back. And I actually didn't know what family medicine was until I got to medical school because I had only been exposed to internal medicine and pediatrics. And when I arrived at med school, I was very lucky because I had a lot of amazing mentors who were equally as passionate about the exact same things that I was. They, they, were, they wanted to be the, the guide to the healthcare system like I wanted to be. They wanted to work with vulnerable patient populations. They wanted to do more than just treat the medical diseases they wanted to also, or they loved working on the social issues and looking at the whole person. Mm. And not that other people don't do that in other specialties, but that was, that was what really drew me to family medicine initially. So it's interesting. You mentioned from a young age, you, you had this exposure and experience that kind of drew you to this. A lot of students have very similar experiences and yet they end up in the big city as fancy dermatologists or plastic surgeons. You <laughs> stayed on your path. What do you think kept you on that path? You know, that's a, it's interesting that you say that because I actually trained in a big city and for a while I, I even wanted to be in academic medicine. Now I, I always, I never, 
I never went far from primary care. And I think, I honestly think a lot of that was mentorship. I just, I had the right people in my life that were doing exactly what I wanted to do. And I think I also, I think sometimes we just, sometimes people get into medical school and realize, actually, I like, I'm obsessed with the skin. And for me, I went through specialty after specialty after specialty of rotations, and I just adored everything. And, and I think if you, obviously, if you really don't like pediatrics, and you really don't like obstetrics, like, like, that's a huge part of your residency. So why would you, you shouldn't do family medicine, you should focus on what you love. And I just loved everything. So it made sense. From the pre-med or medical student world, what are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions that they have about family medicine? I love talking about family medicine myths, so I'm glad you asked. Um, I think one of the biggest myths, most definitely, is that you are too smart to go into family medicine. I was told that many times throughout my rotations, and I can tell you family medicine is incredibly challenging. I find myself now in practice looking things up, reading every day. I am, I am, I have clinical quandaries that I face like almost every other patient. Right now, I'm working on getting my patients more um, um, access to hepatitis C treatment, for example, because I am in a rural community and I'm learning how to treat hepatitis C because it takes forever to get them in with GI. Just an example, like there's just every day, like what's going to walk in my door and come my way? And it's also a huge variety. One moment I'm in the room taking care of a newborn and then I'm taking care of a geriatric patient like two minutes later. And it's just that, that variety and that, you know, going and thinking that's, it's all incredibly challenging and stimulating. So family medicine is like, you are definitely smart enough. Well, it's definitely going to be something that you will find uh, joy in if, even if you are looking for something challenging. Yeah. Um, Does that, and honestly, I would argue that we probably need the smartest people in medical school going into any primary care specialty just because of how, how difficult it can be. Um, now, another myth that another myth um, is that you're going to be bored in family medicine. And I think I kind of already addressed that too. Like family medicine is not just prescribing metformin and hydrochlorothiazide. Again, it's this huge variety of things that we manage every day. Um, Another myth is that you're not going to make money going into family medicine. <laughs> I, I think I, I, which I, I mean, if you're going to work in a federally qualified health center in the inner city, I mean, obviously you're going to be paid less. And if you go out into a rural area, you can make a lot more, but there's a lot of loan repayment options. There's loan repayment through your employer. There's, and we're also realizing that we need primary care in this country and we're valuing primary care more. So every year, your primary care physicians, family medicine physicians, their salaries are increasing more than other specialties are. So I really think that as we move forward, primary care and family medicine in particular are going to be the even like more important in our, in our medical community. And I think they're going to be valued more. Nice. One of the things that I'm interested to see play out over the next several years is with step one going pass fail the numbers of students who, like yourself, were interested in primary care, but then got their step score back, their step one score back, and were like, oh, 
well, maybe I should be a dermatologist, right? My step, my step score says I should be a dermatologist. Therefore, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm yeah. interested to see if, if maybe we get more people going into primary care because that's truly what they want and they're not going into a different specialty just because their step score says they can. Yeah, that's really, it's really interesting you say that. You know, I, I honestly, I did really well in step one and I didn't, it wasn't like this moment in my life where I was like, never mind, I can, I can do the, <laughs> yeah, like I can, I can completely change my life plan. I didn't have that, but I, I am, I am personally thrilled about the changes to step one. I think, I think eight hours of your life says very little about the kind of, uh, the kind of physician that you're going to become. And I, I think the more that we we step away from focusing on test scores and defining people as numbers. I think the, the more people are going to be able to just be honest with themselves and ask, ask what is it that I'm truly passionate about? Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what comes of that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What traits do you think lead to someone being a good family medicine physician? Well, um, I think first and foremost, you, you, you really need to be someone that wakes up every day excited to be a part of people's families. Um, and you, I, I really love being a part of people's lives and hearing stories and listening. I'm, you need to be a good listener. Um, you need to be patient because this isn't like doing a cath and saving someone's life who's having an MI, right? This is like years of smoking cessation counseling. It's, you know, I, I it's starting someone on a preventive therapy, preventing, uh, STDs, like doing counseling on diet, like whatever it may be, you have to be patient and you have to be willing to sit down with people and also to help them when they have setbacks because everybody does. Everyone has A1Cs that are, that come back that are higher than they were last time. And you know, it's okay. Like, well, let's talk about what happened. So patience, um, in addition to being a good listener, uh, you really have to be humble too, because you're learning every day and things are always changing. And a huge part of family medicine is understanding what, what you know and what you don't and when, when you need help. And, um, I, I mean, and again, I think that's one of the things that's that I enjoy about the job. Cause like, I'm always learning. You have to be resourceful and adaptable too. like know what specialists are available in your community. Like how can I get patients access to these medications that they need these treatments? Um, and, and you have to be like most physicians, you really, you have to be compassionate and you have to truly find joy and just like being there for people and, and again, being a part of their families and their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the interesting things when I, I saw that I was talking to you was that you, it, it seems to be, and maybe, maybe I don't know my numbers, but it seems to be that less and less family medicine physicians actually practice some sort of OB care with their patients. What what do you see potentially or or no numbers wise in terms of how many family medicine docs actually do OB care and and why do you still do it and do you like doing it? Is that a, a, a bigger part of the job for you? So obstetrics is a huge part of my practice. So I I'm a community family physician in a small rural area. So I, I work in a critical access hospital and we have a five bed labor and delivery unit run by family medicine physicians. Um, so OB is a huge part of what I do. I just had several prenatal visits this morning, actually. 
And I, I've known that for a long time. I, I adore OB, but I, I adore it in the context of the family medicine approach to care because I get to take care of the mom throughout the pregnancy and then I'm at the delivery and then I get to take care of the child afterwards. And there's just all these amazing opportunities to basically to help help keep the family healthy. So you're seeing the newborn back for their wellness visits. And then I can talk with mom about depression and I can get her blood pressure if she's having signs of preeclampsia. I can do all these things. It's all coordinated. If the baby has like these has birth injuries or something, I, I know because I was there. It's just it's a really cool model. And I honestly think especially as maternal mortality is getting worse, as more OB guys are specializing, as we're seeing more rural labor and delivery units closing because they don't have access to for, for a long list of reasons. I I think this family medicine approach to maternity care is going to become more and more important. I think we're at a turning point. And I, I say that because we we have seen a decrease in the amount of family physicians doing OB over the last several years. It used to be that about a quarter of us were doing it around 2000. And now we're looking at, like it's getting down below 10 percent. Oh. And the, the reasons and I think that's a, a, an incredible shame. The reasons for that are there, there's. A lot of reasons for that. And and I, I don't, I mean, I could probably talk for a whole <laughs> podcast episode about this. I'm super passionate about this. Um, but it, it in many ways has to do with malpractice. Yep. Um, it, it's regional where family physicians are able to be, have more success with OB right now. Um, of course, a lot of that means we have to be out there advocating for um, like tort reform and other, and other ways that we can get access for patients because you're looking at some especially in rural communities, you're looking at women having to drive like two to three hours sometimes to deliver a baby. And, and we know that when people have to drive outside of their community to deliver, they have more, they have worse outcomes. So we have to find out how we can keep the care in communities. And that's one example. I mean, another reason is life balance. Another reason, again, has to do with trying to keep rural rural hospitals open period and funding for rural hospitals. And then I think it's a culture part too. I, I think, you know, in bigger cities, it's, it's harder. There's more providers and it's, and I'm not saying there isn't a place for family medicine OB in bigger cities either. I think, I think we're going to see more people doing more family docs doing OB in general, hopefully as we just see more and more of a shortage of OB providers. Yeah. But yeah. It's, I think we're turning around because our specialty just is talking about this more. We're seeing more people talking about maternal mortality. And again, we have a lot of special training in a lot of these vulnerable patient populations like addiction medicine, um, transgender patients, like whatever it may be. Like, well, I had a lot of that in my training and it was all focused on primary care and prevention and that can be applied to different settings. What does a typical day look like for you? Well, it, it's hard to say because I don't really have a typical day a lot of the time. Um, but in general, I, if I am not on OB call or if I don't have, um, if, I, if I'm not on the labor and delivery floor, I get to clinic around eight o'clock and I'm in mostly outpatient clinics for the whole day. I see patients four days out of the week. The fifth day is an administrative day where I catch up on charting. Um, but I, in my practice here, I do a lot of different things. Some days I'll have more well-childs or school physicals or uh, acute visits. 
some days I'll be doing, I do geriatric wellness visits. I do a lot of women's health and reproductive health. So a lot of STD prevention. Uh, We have a lot of teenage pregnancy out here. I have incorporated a lot of addiction treatment into my practice and I'm working on building that because rural communities also struggle with a lot of, with, with addiction. Um, So I do a lot of Suboxone, for example. Um, I, I see a lot of mental health, um, depression, anxiety. And then of course I do a lot of preventive counseling. We see there's a lot of tobacco use, COPD out here too, um, cancer screenings. And then of course, at any point that the model of care we have is, um, you, you deliver your patients when they go into labor. So I might, I might be managing a labor from my, or a laboring patient from my office. And then when she progresses, I'll go in. I do cesarean sections. So some mornings I might wake up and do a scheduled section or assist a colleague in a section, and then I'll go in and then I'll start my clinic. Um, and if I have anyone admitted, I'll round on them in the morning before clinic, any of my uh, moms and babies. I do also have the option of doing inpatient adult medicine if I want. And of course, more of my, more, most of my practice is younger patients, but I imagine as I age, they'll, you know, they'll age with me. And if I, and I, I have the opportunity if, if I would like to follow those patients in, into the hospital and do adult medicine too, although we have a hospitalist team and they basically, I can choose which ones I want depending on how busy my day is. It sounds like as, as you're describing what your day and week looks like and, and the setup of your practice, it sounds like a very, what we would call traditional kind of old school community medicine where you're the doc and you go to the hospital and see your patients when they're in and it's just not done anymore. It seems like. Yeah, it's, you're right. And I, I, I get that. I I get that from, from people. Well, people say that, that that sounds old school. And I, um, (laughs) and and I guess I'd like to challenge that because I honestly think, I think medicine has become too depersonalized. I think we've I become agree. too subspecialized. And yep. you need you need this point person to help to keep things streamlined. I think when we say old school, I think we're getting away from what is most effective, honestly. Yeah. Like and now does it make complete sense for in every single clinical setting for a family doc to be doing literally everything. Like, no, like the hepatitis C example, like I might, if I have a GI doc down the hall, I probably like, instead of two hours away, then yeah, I'm going to get them involved in my patient's care. But if I, you know what I mean? I mean, it's a, a huge part is just, again, knowing your resources and who's available to you and working with your team. But I think especially in rural communities or in really underserved urban communities, like sometimes this model works best. And yeah, it's, it is, but I, I but old school is honestly a lot of fun. <laughs> I do have to throw, I, I, I absolutely adore my job and I, I, I feel like I make an amazing difference every day. It's, I'm very lucky. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think, I think that model is, is, in the patient's best interest, right? Knowing a familiar face and you know their their medical history. My my grandfather was in the hospital with COVID in Boston and oh, the, the team taking care of him, like they got mad that his his primary care doc was looking at the records and, and talking to the family what? about what they were seeing. And it's, it's like, well, they know him, right? <laughs> they follow him everywhere he goes and they know him. And it's just, we've gotten so siloed in medicine that I think yes. the pendulum needs to 
to swing back at some point. Yeah, that's just a shame. I, yeah. I mean, because, and I mean, that's part of the therapeutic relationship. Exactly. We're there. We have, you know, yeah, I think, I think we're going to swing back. I really do. Especially because it's, we, it, it saves money. <laughs> Investment in primary care saves money. I don't yeah. care if family medicine, internal, whatever it is. It, it saves everyone money. Yeah. And if we talk about money, we tend to get things done, I guess. So sometimes <laughs> you have to, but yes, for multiple reasons, you have better outcomes in general. I'm yep. sorry about your grandfather. Yeah, thank you. Um, what does the, the training path look like to become a family medicine physician? Family medicine is a three to four year residency. There's some four year family medicine programs. Um, and the, in a, this is after medical school, of course. So the, the intern, your intern year is actually, it's, uh, it's similar to medical school because you rotate on pediatrics, you rotate on obstetrics, and then you do a lot of inpatient medicine, mostly adult medicine. Um, and then the rest of residency is, is very outpatient focused. So an outpatient within the family medicine realm. So you do a lot more prenatal care. You do, you have a huge, you have rotations in um, behavioral health, mental health. You do more pediatric outpatient care. It's it, as opposed to internal medicine or internal medicine pediatrics, where a lot more of your time is spent in the hospital rotating with specialists. Um, and then after the three to four years of family medicine residency, if you choose, you can go on to do, an, a, well, a lot of different primary care focused fellowships. And I'm happy to talk, I mean, to talk some about that too, if you'd like. But for me, what I ended up doing was I did a surgical obstetrics fellowship which um, was basically, basically I was a junior attending and I was essentially treated like a second year OB-GYN resident. Like I, I did all of the scheduled cesarean sections for the L&D floor. And then I um, also took patients back who were going for sections. So it was very intensive surgical training for a year. And in addition to that, I did like tubal ligations and, um, DNCs and other things to help me be able to provide obstetrics in a community setting or obstetrics care. Yeah. So that's in, in family medicine, you get like basic low risk vaginal delivery experience, kind of like, so you, you, you could graduate from family medicine residency and still do OB, but I wanted to be able to do more. So with that training, you can do cesareans and other OB care? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, um, so I, I do now in, in our hospital, we do lower, I mean, we can't keep anyone below 36 weeks. So obviously like pretermers like that, like they get transferred to a higher level of care, but I do lower vaginal deliveries. I could do like vacuum assist deliveries. I do cesarean sections. I do again, tubules and other things. Nice. Okay. I don't think yeah. a lot of students know that as a family practice doc, family medicine doc, you can go out there and do cesareans with the right training. Absolutely. You absolutely can. And I think, and I think depending on where you want to work, it, it just, it makes a lot of sense to have a physician that has that, that skill set because that really is what like a community doesn't need like a bunch of subspecialists. They need someone that can take care of the community because they literally, again, it just doesn't even make financial sense to hire 12, like yeah. six doctors when you could hire one that can do everything that the community, like most things that the community needs. Yeah. So with family practice, it, it seems like a lot of the, the 
post-primary care fellowships are open to family medicine. What are some of the more popular ones out there that family medicine docs go down? So another popular one, in addition to the obstetrics route, is um, sports medicine. I've had I have a lot of friends that have done sports medicine fellowships. Um, there's academic fellowships, palliative care, geriatrics, and um, a lot of these, like the geriatrics, palliative care, like internal or family med, I know both can do those. Um, I, I have friends who've done global health fellowships, research fellowships, HIV fellowships. Um, there's, you really could go multiple directions. Of course, it's all within the family medicine, like primary care spectrum. Like you're, you, you can't go on and do a nephrology fellowship, obviously, but there's, there's a lot more out there than people think. Yeah. What do you wish that the, the specialists, right? Usually I ask this question, what do you wish the primary care doctors knew about what you're doing? But as a primary care doctor, what do you wish the specialists knew about kind of the, the niche that you've carved out for yourself of being a family practice doc who is heavily involved in the OB world? I wish the specialists knew. Um, I just love getting on the phone and talking with someone and feel and creating a team. I think anytime a specialist even has like a minute to just chat about a patient and to make sure we're both on the same page, it's just, it's so great for me. Um, I really love connecting with other doctors and other fields because I, I just think that helps with continuity of care. I like that's it's just it again it's we're all so siloed and we're but we're all also in this together and the more that we could all work together like that just I think it just it, it makes the job more fun it makes it interesting I I really enjoy learning and I also want to know if I'm doing something wrong or if I'm if there's something I could be doing for my patient that I don't have to refer them for like all like anything we could do to make the care the best it can be I'm totally down with. Um, that's one thing that comes to mind. Yeah. I, okay. But yeah. If you could go back and talk to your pre-residency self, what would you, what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself that what I picture my career looking like right now will probably not look the same in three years. And that, you never know where what opportunities are going to come your way. I went into residency thinking that I was going to be an inner city urban academic family physician. And because of, honestly, just because of opportunities and because I really fell in love with the OR and multiple other things and wanting to do more obstetrics, I just, I was looking at, I, I met other people and was looking at other places I could practice. And I realized actually that I really, really, really wanted to be a community physician and I have fallen in love with rural medicine. And I wouldn't have even thought that would happen like five years ago. And I have an amazing job. And I think it's, I think it's important to keep your options open. It's important to stay flexible and it's, and you just never know what's going to come your way. Um, and I think that's one thing that's, I mean, I guess this probably applies to all of medicine, but especially in family medicine, there's just, there's just so much that you can do in family medicine. You could end up being, being involved in politics. You could end up being a community activist because we have a baseline training of, in everything. It serves us well in a lot of different leadership roles. Like you, you, 
you really have no idea where your career will take you. And I think that's very exciting. Yeah. Now, you talk about rural medicine, and I think what pops up in people's heads is is just like the middle of Alaska, nowhere near <laughs> anyone. But you're only a couple hours away from a big city. What is What do you see that rural designation meaning to students? Yeah, so I'm not isolated in Montana somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I against am. Montana. Sorry, folks. <laughs> I, I know. Actually, Montana's it seems like it's very beautiful. I've never been there, but, um, yeah, so I'm less than two hours south of Chicago. I'm within 40 minutes from two other much larger, well, two other larger cities, um, that have universities. So I, like for me, rural medicine is an opportunity to serve a patient population that has historically not always had access to the care they, they deserve. That's how I feel about it. And that's why I love it. Um, and it's honestly, it's, it's a really lovely quality of life. Like it's, it's not as fast paced. Everyone is, the patients are incredibly grateful. Um, and, and they're, it's rewarding to care for them. And just, there's so much that you can do to make a difference. Um, and I think, I mean, and you, you learn a lot too, just, I mean, having trained in a city and coming out here and just learning about different kinds of people, I've been, that's been really rewarding for me too. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I could talk more, talk more about it or yeah, it's, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be afraid of rural medicine. I, we, you know, like just it, we don't get as much exposure well, to just community medicine in general, like what it's like to be a community physician in general in medical school. Mm-hmm. but. And that's another thing too, I think just keeping in mind as you're going through medical school, that there's more to medicine than the academic urban that you see all the time. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Which is why this podcast exists. So which hope, is, yeah, hopefully it's, it's awesome. <laughs> what I'm you, sure it is. What do you like the most about being a family medicine specialist and OB specialist? I just... I just, again, I just love being a part of people's families. Like people come in and they bring me, they, they show, they bring pictures from birthdays. They tell, they, they just, they're excited to tell me about like milestones. They, and there's just something amazing about being there for the first prenatal visit and being with them throughout the whole pregnancy, being at the delivery, like walking into the room and the mall and the whole family, well, you know, right now that the partner but and everyone in the room being thrilled to see you when you walk in because the doctor's here and then being the first one to hand the the newborn to the mom and then for the next several years and hopefully my whole career just watching the children grow up watching the family grow together being there for everybody it's 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 a really amazing window into someone's life and they really appreciate the work that you do. And I just, I can't imagine not like not having that connection with people. I can't imagine just, you know, delivering the baby and then not taking care of the kid. Like I just, that just doesn't feel right to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. What do you like the least? I prior officer. The paperwork, um, the, although there's, there's a lot of different models and approaches to care too. And I think I wouldn't be too worried about 
I mean, I think there's different, there's ways to avoid burnout. If depending on the practice setting, if you, if you learn to be strategic about how to get, like getting your charting done as soon as possible, that sort of thing. I think it's, you know, the administrative stuff. I, another reason I really like being in a smaller community is because I actually have relationships with my administrators too, as opposed to a massive hospital system where sometimes you feel disconnected. You obviously feel disconnected from them. I think that was something I experienced when I trained in a city, just feeling kind of like thrown to the wolves sometimes. But I think all of us feel that in all medical specialties to a certain degree, you know? Yeah. Do you see any major changes coming to the field of family medicine, whether it's scope of practice or, or anything else? Um, I, yes, I think that family medicine is going to become more and more central to healthcare. I think we're going to see more value placed in family medicine and primary care in general. And again, that's because we like healthcare is kind of headed toward a cliff. We have, we pour money into all this money into tertiary care, into like the end, end of life care. Like it's all, there's all this unnecessary spending that we're doing that we could decrease by putting more value in prevention in primary care. And I think, and, fa- and I think family physicians are in the best position to spearhead that. And I think we're going to see that exploding over the next several years. I'm so I feel very hopeful and excited to be starting my career now. Um, and I also, and again, I, I do think we're going to see more family physicians. I think we're going to see this swinging back. We're going to see more family physicians doing more full scope just it, because we're realizing that we just, we just need it. Like I think the COVID, the cool thing about the cool thing for our specialty during the COVID pandemic. And I, again, obviously I could talk, I love being a family doc. Obviously I could talk about this all day, mm-hmm. but the one thing that has been interesting or, or cool about the COVID pandemic is, you know, like the like family physicians, if when people have been going down or we haven't had enough staffs or like physicians or staff support, we can work in the ER, we can go to the ICU, we can do inpatient, we can do urgent care, we can do, we can put on the N95 and deliver people in the second stage of labor, with a, you know, like we could, or, or deliver people and, and we could do whatever it is, like you need somebody, we're there. We, and I think that versatility is important too. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where, where healthcare is after all of this also, but um, those are some initial thoughts, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that's the that's the big the the last yeah. comment that you made. We'll see where healthcare is once all this is. I over. know uh, we don't have to talk about that too much. It's, no, that's all we talk about all day. But yeah, it's interesting times. Yes, it is. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be a a family practice doc doing OB? Absolutely. Yeah, I would do exactly this. Yeah. And any last words of wisdom for the the pre med or medical student listening to this, or even the the family medicine resident listening to this, thinking about their future career? I would say, do what you, it sounds cliche. Like, do what your heart is telling you to do. Like, do not what, what your really, step one score tells you you no, can do. <laughs> yes, do not do what your step one. Absolutely not. No. Sorry. Step finish. One is, no. 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 You're. Yes. Don't do what eight hours of your life tells you you can and cannot do. I do what your heart is telling you to do. What brings you joy? Like this is going to be your career. This is 
And this is, it's a lifestyle. This is a huge part of your life. And you want to wake up every day excited to go to work. And, and that, and just ask yourself, what is it that I want? Like if, and don't listen to the attending on whatever rotation that tells you, like, you're too smart to do that. Like, don't listen to whoever tells you you're, you're going to be bored in that specialty. You're not going to make money. Or Pete, you did too well on this to, to go into that. Like, no, like, what do you want? What brings you joy? And if you do that, you will find the job. You will find your fit. If, you know, like, some people worry about getting privileges for C-sections if they want to do an OB fellowship. And honestly, if you really want to be in the OR and you really want to do C-sections, you want to be able to offer that for people, get the training, the job will come. Like, that's, that's the biggest thing. Ask yourself, what do you want? And then, and then, and where do you feel like you fit? And then go for it. And it will work out. All right, there you have it. Again, Dr. Christina Dacus, family medicine physician who specializes in obstetrics. Now, it's an amazing ability to be a family practice doctor, take care of whole families, and really, really focus in on the OB world and taking care of pregnancy and getting those babies born out into this world. So amazing conversation with Dr. Dacus about her specialty and about what you can do as a family medicine specialist, a family medicine physician with specific training in obstetrics. So if you're interested in everything and you were like, well, do I want to do family medicine? Do I want to do OB? You can have both. Now, it's becoming less common, but you can have both. And that's really the fun thing. And why I like having these conversations with physicians is really hearing how they have shaped their careers to fit what they want. And that is what Dr. Dacus has done. So if you enjoyed this episode today, I hope you share it with a friend. Let them know that this episode is out there, that this podcast is out there, the Specialty Stories podcast let them know that they should listen to it as medical students, as residents, as pre-med students to understand what the world of medicine holds out there for them. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories. This is MedEd Media.